Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everyone, to our Kentucky Derby edition of the Mike Abadir Show. Mike and Gino at you live. We are going to give you all the information that you need to be able to lock down on who are the contenders and have the ability to put in some plays and enjoy Derby 144. Gino, this is probably one of my favorite times of the year. I know we've said that so many different times because we're just such big sports junkies, but in terms of one event, the Kentucky Derby is probably my favorite, maybe a close tie with the uh, Game 7 World Series. Yeah, at least I don't have to talk about the Dodgers this week because uh, Hunjin Ryu... Um, just ripped his groin off uh, off the bone, the muscle off the bone. I don't know if I've heard that one before. I'm not a doctor, Mike, but that doesn't sound very good. Uh, it doesn't sound very uh, very fun. So I'm glad that we have the Derby to focus in on this week because my uh, my rooting as a fan is not in great uh, spirits right now. And, yeah, with, and Ryu, with the Ryu is not the only. Is not the only. Oh yeah, yeah. He was, he was just the most recent. He was just the most recent one. We could spend an entire hour show on just the Dodger injuries, but we have our first guest waiting. And you know, it's kind of funny. I'm actually surprised we haven't had him on yet um, to talk. I kept uh, telling him we wanted to bring him on for certain topics. So I was trying to figure out something when it would be maybe Chicago sports related so we can bring him on to talk some Bulls or some Bears, and I'm sure we'll still do that in the future. Good friend of mine from TVG, and I got to admit, when I started working at TVG, I was uh, young, a little cocky. Things haven't changed uh, all that much, but uh, he was one of the, the guys that really took me under his wing. He kind of showed me the ropes. He told me what to look out for, gave me a lot of advice, and Within, I think, a month or two of me working at TVG, he brought me on a radio show with him called VIG, where we would we would uh, get together at Angel Stadium on Sunday mornings. We would break down all the betting lines for all the football games each week, and we had a, a lot of fun doing that. And I actually, I learned then what a hard worker he is. Sometimes he tries to trick a lot of you, you folks out there by uh, playing it kind of coy and fun and being a little comedic. But when this guy wants to, he can lock down and really work. Great handicapper. Good friend of mine, Mike Joyce. I don't have the music for you, Mikey. Unfortunately, we didn't want to. Uh, we didn't want to scare everyone this morning uh, with your uh, with your helmet intro. How's it going, big guy? It's going well. First of all, let me correct you on a couple of things. Um, no, not much has changed, but you are old. Don't don't play on the yeah. young card anymore. That's uh, true. That's and true. number number two, I took you under my wing because I think I owed your dad money. But other than that, everything you said is a thousand percent true. Those are all true. All true statements. That's the. Uh, no arguing with you on that one. So this this is our time. I know I know we don't have an hour with you, so we'll have to bring you back uh, another time where we can kind of have some fun and BS a little bit. But this is Derby Week, man. This is what everybody wants. Uh, we've been kind of focusing in on, on this now for the last couple months. I know you're going to be out working in just a, a bit. So what's your weekend like? Where are we going to see you on TVG? And then uh, and then let's get into the horses. Well, I'm going to be at Santa Anita holding down the fort. So uh, to put it in NFL terms, the the Super Bowl is in Dallas, and I'll be in San Francisco. <laughs> That's at least we know where you stack up on the depth charts, like always, you know. So uh, they they don't pull any punches with you over there. Let let's let's jump right into it, man. This is a this is a fun group. When it looks like Justify, he'll take all the money. He's the horse. 
that, that you know, you, you kind of start your handicapping with if you're going to use him, how you're going to play the race. I think you kind of start with justifying if you like him or not. So right off the bat, is he a horse that you like or is he a horse that you're going to be trying to beat in this year's Derby? Uh, I like him as a horse. I think there's two freak shows in, in this year's Derby. I think Mendelssohn and Justify are freaks to the point where we really have absolutely no idea how good they are. Because, you know, Justify's only had those three starts under his belt, and he's never really been tested at all, but it just looks like there's so much talent under the hood. And, you know, for Bob Baffert, everyone talks about what a great trainer he is. Let's not forget about acquiring the horses, because in the last four years, he's had American Pharaoh, Arrowgate, and now this horse, which he speaks of in the same, you know, in the same breath as those other two. So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty amazing, you know, run he's been on with these horses. And, and having this one by, you know, getting ready at age number three, at age three and getting ready for the Derby, I, I think he's going into the Derby as sure as he's ever been with a horse. You know, and he's won four before. Uh, and Mendelssohn, you know, everything about the UAE Derby is just is frightening. Um, he ran a, a negative four and a half on the thoroughbred sheet. It was his first try on dirt. He, he prepped on a synthetic track prior to the, the UAE Derby, but that was his first time ever stepping foot on the dirt. We already know he's got class. He won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf as a two-year-old, and we know he can ship. And the Dubai bout doesn't come into play because he's based in England. So the flight to Dubai and back is four hours, five hours max. It's not that big of a deal. And last year when he won the Juvenile Turf, he's had to fly all the way to the West Coast, and now he's only going to Kentucky. So I don't think the traveling's going to affect him. I don't think the trip's going to affect him. I just think he's a freak show. Um, I just think that the biggest problem with justifying Mendelssohn is the same problem with about eight or nine other horses is that they all want the same trip. There's going to be a, just a – and it's not necessarily – there's going to be some fast horses in there on the lead, but I just think there's, there's about seven or eight horses that want to be in that second flight within two or three lengths, and it's just going to be hard, and I think it's going to – I don't think it's just going to go fast up front. I think, it's, I think that second tier is going to be going fast when they want to go because there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position. Even with that huge stretch running into that first turn, I don't think things are going to be sorted in the first quarter mile. It's something I was talking about yesterday with Craig uh, Milkowski and Jason Beam. There, are, you're, you're right. There are so many horses with that same running style that you're going to get a horse like Good Magic or Magnum Moon. You know, a horse like that is going to end up twelfth early, and then be and be way farther back than than people expected, just because there's going to be so many horses trying to get into that three, four, five slot. So we're expecting, just from a pay standpoint, it says uh, Roman says promises fulfilled is going to go. We'd probably imagine Flame Away will be up close. Um, maybe Pletcher from the outside will also flash a little speed. But you're right, from that middle tier kind of kind of group, there, there's going to be a lot. So after we get past Justify and Mendelssohn, who are some of the other horses that, I mean, you, you look at as horses that you must use in the exotics? So I think there's I think there's seven legit horses, and then there's 13 horses that are just a cut below, right? So I think you can draw a pretty clear line. You go Justify Mendelssohn, those two are, are, are the freak shows. And then you have Good Magic, Bolt Doro, uh, Magnum Moon, Audible, um, all kind of in that next, that next flight, right? So mm-hmm. yep. you, you, if it's not one of those seven, I'd be shocked. You know? I, and you got like flashy horses like My Boy Jack is going to be flying like the Sormo, and everyone thinks that you know, if there's a pace meltdown, he's going to be there. You know, I think those horses are fun to throw in underneath, but I would be shocked if it's not one of those seven. And I've, I've changed my top pick in the Derby a dozen times. I mean, I was, I was really leaning toward, you know, Mendelssohn after the UAE Derby position. He's, he's sublimely talented. And, and he's the only horse that I've seen that has that kind of scary ability, like justify. But then, you know, you go start looking at what these horses have accomplished and, and their patterns coming in. You know, I think I, I'm a thoroughbred guy. You know, I love thoroughbred sheets. Not to bore your audience too much, but whatever. It's another algorithm that spits out a speed figure so you can, you know, adjust your, your handicapping based on how fast they can run. 
but I, I started getting into the Ragazins a little bit, and the Ragazins, the Ragazin Sheets, which is a different you know product, same concept, really kind of pointed me toward Audible. I mean, he's got a great pattern coming in. He really does. He's got a great pattern coming in. He's, you know, he, I clearly think he was Todd Fletcher's, you know, eight, eight, you know, like uh, number one string because first string because you know Magna Moon they sent over to Tampa Bay, which is fine. And, and Todd Fletcher's dad, dad even said that Magna Moon. And for those of you who don't know, Todd Fletcher's dad was a quarter horse trainer in his own right back in the day. And now he's a part of the Fletcher operation where he breaks all those two year olds out of Palmettos. And he said that Magna Moon is the best and most talented horses he's ever he's ever he's ever broken. Right, so you know, like, I, I, so people are, are zeroing in on him, um, but I, I really think Audible might be the forgotten horse. I mean, he's a Florida Derby winner, and the way he won the Florida Derby, I know he had a pace to run at, but since when has the winning move at Gulfstream become from eight lengths out of it? Since when is the winning move at Gulfstream to, to spot the field and try to pass everybody in the turn? I mean, like that that doesn't happen there. I mean, we usually see horses winning that the Florida Derby on or near the lead, unless it just goes you know smoking. And I, I feel like no one's giving him credit. And then the wise guy horse that's going to get way over bet is Hofburg, right? Everyone yeah. says, you know, he's only made three starts. Philmont loves him. He was second to, to Audible. He was really coming late. He watched the Florida Derby. They could go around again. He's not going by Audible. I mean, he might be a real nice up-and-coming horse, but he's not better than the horse that won that race. There's no, I mean, it's not even close. And anybody who wants to say, oh, well, you know, into mischief, I, I don't think, you know, the into mischiefs can get a mile and a quarter. Just because they haven't yet doesn't mean they can. And pedigree's not what it used to mean in the Derby. I mean, none of these horses are bred to go 10 furlongs. And I'm sorry, but into mischief, he was pretty good as a route horse. And I believe he's a half the beholder who can handle a mile and a quarter just fine. So it's like, it's not like the bloodlines are, you know, are, you know, it's not, and, and don't forget that Mendelssohn's a half the into mischief and he handled a mile and three sixteenths just fine in the dirt, in the uh, UAE Derby. So I, the whole pedigree, oh, it doesn't look like he's going to want a mile and a quarter to me. It's just garbage. Like you watch the way the horse runs another, another 400 yards isn't going to kill him. Yeah, he was. I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned him because he was probably the most confusing horse to me this year when I was handicapping. I went back and forth on him a few times, but when you really watch his last race, it was good. I think I think it's one that you feel and you hear the the word that he kind of fell into it, and and it was a good ride by Johnny V. He kind of took the horse back when everybody else was moving forward, and it was just a. To me, it looked like a, a horse who knows what's going on. He knows what he was doing. It was a mature effort. It was a horse who seems like he might be kind of push button, which is really been the winning trip in this race what the last four or five kind of years so he's another one of those horses that has that that style where he, he should be sitting not too far behind and I think what happened what's happened the last couple of years too and, and what seems like it happens when the Florida Derby's run so early you get that out of sight out of mind feeling you know we see the the prep winners we see Justify Magnum Moon and we see some of those horses more recently than we saw Audible and then we start to, to kind of forget a little bit about a horse like Audible. Uh, I'm with you on Hofburg too. Doesn't Hofburg, Mike, kind of feel like more of a, a horse that's going to be good at maybe Belmont or like at Saratoga in the summer, maybe Jim Dandy, Travers type horse. He just feels like he might need a little more experience right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think he does need a little more experience. I think you're, you're totally right on that. And, and we'll see. I mean, like this is a deep crop of three-year-olds. I mean, this is as good of a derby as we've seen in the last 20 years. I, and I'm not kidding. I mean, even like I say, like there's a separation. There's the top seven, and then there's the other thirteen. Out of that other thirteen, I think I'm looking at horses that could go down and win a Grade One, in, in, in you know, if not this year, the next year. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot to get excited about. But I, I just think, you know, the, the reason one of the things I, I didn't really say about Justify is that he's trying to do the same thing that Curlin did, and Curlin ran well in the Derby, but he didn't win it. And it's like, well, if Curlin can't do it, I don't think Justify's as good as Curlin was, and he's taking on a much tougher group. And if he wins, so be it. There will be five to two shots I can cash another day, right? I mean, if 
Like, the, to me, the only thing I don't like about Justify and Mendelssohn is that they're going to get back. And in this yeah. year, you can't, you can't really, you can't take the chalk this year. You just can't. I mean, you're going to get a horse like Audible at 8-1. to one. You're going to get a horse like Good Magic at 7-1. to one. You know, you're going to get a horse, you're going to get somebody at 20-1 to one that won a grade one last time out. I mean, it's going to be, you know, you're either the horse that won the, the Louisiana Derby or, you know, I mean, you're going to get somebody that won a grade one that's going to be 20-1. to one. And don't forget, John Velasquez, the other horse I forgot to mention out of that top seven is Vino Rosso. Because John Velasquez won on, on Audible. He wins on Vino Rosso, who had been, you know, plugging away and was a little disappointing in a couple starts down at Tampa Bay Downs. He wins the Wood Memorial. Going in, everyone thought the Wood Memorial was living up to grade two status, and it was kind of a second-rate prep race this year. But he comes out of that. He, he ran the same number last time out as Justifying Good Magic. John Velasquez opts to ride Vino Rosso over Audible. So everyone say, well, you know, Vito Rosso's probably the better horse. But don't forget, he won the Derby last year for Pletcher, and Vinny Viola owns a piece of that horse, and it's going to be wearing Rapoli silk. So not that Audible, you don't want to ride for Windstar, but... I'm saying, like, the, those are connections that he just won the Derby for last year, and he's won a lot of races for Rapoli. So there might be a little bit more to that decision than just, I'm going with a better horse. I think Vino Rosso is an excellent animal, don't get me wrong. And if he wins the Derby, he's one of those seven that's not going to surprise me. Like, I'm not going to say, where did this horse come from? But because of that, there's money going there. I mean, you, I, I would not be surprised if Audible, Audible floats up to 10 or 12 to 1. And he won the Derby, which has been the most productive race for the Derby in the past, you know, 25 years. Mike, I want to piggyback on that. And by the way, you guys were flowing so well. I didn't even feel a need to. I was just captivated by the discussion that uh, I didn't even uh, jump in with anything. But you you laid out really well how Mendelssohn has kind of handled everything that's been thrown at him. You said that Mendelssohn and Justify are the two freaks. When you're looking for fair odds, looking for value, when it comes to Justify, you know, is three to one really where we want to go for a horse that's never been out of California that never raced as a two-year-old, that has not been thrown, the, you know, every time, you know, Mendelssohn, like you said, turf, synthetic, dirt, travel, come to San Diego, et cetera. You know, what are, what are the cutoffs for players out there when they're looking for fair odds when you're talking about justifying Mendelssohn? Well, I'm the only Joe that ever pounded his chest for picking Nyquist in the Derby, but that's because I was just in a, a battle of, of, uh, of, of, you know, like a, like a verbal battle with everybody else who was knocking on him, and I was working with Doug O'Neill at the time. But the point being, you don't want to, like, pound your chest and be like, hey, hey, I got a three-to-one shot in the Derby. I mean, no one's going to care. Look, if Justify wins, we could be looking at a freak. And I'm a gambler, but I'm also a fan of the sport first. And so if I see Justify freak out there, win by five, you know, go on, like, two minutes and a fifth or something, and, you know, march on to, to Baltimore, we got a chance for another triple crowner, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon like everybody else does. Okay, I'll get my enjoyment out of that. I'm not going to get my enjoyment out of betting $2 and getting eight back. So... Yeah, I, I, I think Justify, you almost can't bet him because he's going to take so much play. It's going to be, you know, if you want to get into exotic wagers, you know, if I'm playing the pick six through there or the pick five or the pick five through there, yeah, I'm going to use him because there's so much, so much good value everywhere else, you know, on the card that day. But as far as just straight betting that race, I mean, he's not really worth it. And Mendelssohn, I, I still don't know what they're going to do because there's going to be a lot of people with, you know, deep pockets that are going to say Mendelssohn can't win. The UAE Derby is not a factor. The, you know, Aiden O'Brien's never going to come over here with a horse like this and win the Derby, right? And there's going to be money stacking up against him. So if Mendelssohn's going 5-6-1 to one at post time, I mean, that's, that's a different story than Justify 5-2. to two. So I, I just don't think Justify, to me, like, I don't think you can take less than 6-1 to one on anybody in this year's Derby. I really don't. And even at that point, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're passing on horses that are going to be 8, 10, 12, 15 to 1 that have legitimate chances. But you'd feel pretty good going too deep in, uh, in your horizontals, pick threes, pick fours, et cetera? 
Well, no, I don't think it's, I, 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 it's a definite spread rate. The way I'm probably going to bet it is I'll probably bet, um, I'm probably going to bet, you know, a, a pick three or a pick four or a pick five, pick six out of there. I'm probably going to single mask and single beach patrol. I'm actually going to do, Gino, you'll like this. This is totally your play. I'm going to do a $100 cold pick three, um, all Chad Brown. It's going to go nice. mask, beach patrol to good magic, right? Just in case he just sweeps the day and has, you know, a Chad Brown day. So just $100 cold. If I lose, so what? I'm only got 100 bucks. If I win, I mean, that, what does that pay? Like 35, 40 bucks? Like, I'm Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that's fine. And, and that could Well, happen. even more, because Good Magic, I mean, just in the derby with that big field, like, Good Magic will be, yeah. I mean, that thing will pay 100 bucks even, because Good Magic's not going to be, like, the chalk of, in the field. So, yeah, you'd be, you'd be sitting pretty. So, um, but, but back to your question, like, how would I play the race? If I'm playing um, through the race, I'm probably going to go 70. Because I don't want to, I don't want to leave out a Vino Rosso. I don't want to leave out, um, uh, you know, uh, a Boltoro just because I don't think Boltoro is going to win. Not because, you know, I don't think he's a good horse. I just, my, my vision of this, the vision I have of this year's Derby and this year's crop of three-year-olds is he could have as much talent as anybody else, but I think he might've peaked at two and he's just maintaining the same form he had at two. I see nothing that makes me think he's going to be a better animal on the first Saturday in May than what we've seen from him already. I feel like he just kind of came out and, and, and thoroughbred players will say this. You see horses that, you know, just kind of run the same numbers at three that they did at two, when they're running at that high of a level, you're not going to get progression now. You know, like, you want to see that first or second out, or you want to see some. And, you know, he ran his race against Justified. Justified was just flat better. But Oro ran his race. He didn't run a better race than what he'd run before. He just ran his race that he had. So if he runs that race, is capable of winning? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's capable of being there. And if the race falls apart, you know, who knows? But he has the talent to be one of the, you know, five or six best horses in the race. But, I, you know, a horse like him, I'm going to shy away from. He's well-known. He'll take, you know, a reasonable amount of action. And I just don't have the belief that he's going to get better on Saturday. He's going to be a better version of himself, you know. But I'm not going to leave him out. If I'm playing through that race, I'm going to throw, like, five, six. I'm going to throw seven horses in there. I don't want to leave any of those horses out. If I'm playing the race singly, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to key good magic in, you know, some different wheels. You know, Zactus tries, supers. I'm going to key him underneath in the same thing. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to flip around with Audible, right? I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to flip around with Mendelssohn. You know, and I'm going to, you know, spread around those. So if, if one of those horses finishes one, two, I should have it large enough that I'm playing through it in my sequentials. I'm landing something there where I'm cashing, and then I'm, I'm, I'm hitting single race wagers that are going to be worth it. Mike, before we let you go, have you had a chance to look at the undercard at all? Uh, a little bit, you know. I mean, the funny thing is, is that uh, Mask is running uh, two races before the Derby. He might be the most talented three-year-old of all these. He's not even in the Derby. Yeah. Of course, that uh, Chad Brown has only two starts. He's an absolute. He, he, we have no idea how good he is, but you know he could be the horse that we're looking at. You know, in the Haskell uh, later in the summer, or we could see him come back in the Preakness if he freaks here. I mean, this horse, he's got so much talent. Nobody knows how good he is, and he's two races before the turf race. Before it is excellent. The card is from top to bottom, as you would expect for Derby Day. It's really good. You can find him on Twitter at TVG Mike. He will be out at Santa Anita this weekend covering all the action. Go stop by the set, throw some peanuts at him, say hello. He always loves that kind of stuff. Mikey, awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. We, uh, Like I said, when things slow down a little bit now, because it'll just be baseball season coming up soon for uh, a while, we'll bring you on for like a full-on hour interview where we can just kind of talk a little bit about everything. Loved having you, man. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was awesome. awesome Thank you, sir. Man. Good luck with the Derby. You know, Mike, Thank one thing I liked too. about, uh, I always appreciated about Mike Joyce was he, he used to say something that I've always taken in. We spend hours and hours handicapping the races, but we only spend minutes putting our wagers together. 
And Mike, you know, when he said that to me, it hit home a couple of times that you, you want to try to even that ratio out a little bit more, you know, spend a little bit more time figuring out your wagers, how you're going to play the races. Are you going to play, you know, win, pick fours, pick fives, exact this tries, however you're going to play it, have a plan before you go in. Don't, you know, don't be the guy that's at the window trying to figure it out right then and getting shut out. Or don't be trying to figure out your wagers two minutes before. Have everything set, you know, then you can look at the prices and you can adjust. And that's one thing that I, I like that we were able to do with Mike a little bit here, too. We were able to handicap and then talk some wagering, which you need to be able to do uh, to do both, especially in a big race like this. So great first guest to kick things off. And that's Mike fantastic Joyce. advice, by the way. That's fantastic advice because, you know, I'll tell you what, the times where I actually get a pen and paper and map out my plays in advance, I do so much better. You just feel I'm, better. Yeah, Even I'm more you efficient. Lose, you just feel better. You know, you, exactly. you you're not worried. You're not, oh, did I miss that? Or I didn't do that. You just, you had it all set. You had everything taken care of. And then you can sit back and relax and and, and just watch then. So uh, great stuff for Mike. Really, uh, really awesome insight. And uh, we look forward to hearing from Mike again. We have a couple more awesome guests to come up soon. Andrew Champagne from DRF. And then our buddy Keeneland Dan, fat, bald guy, racing. So I think this would be a good time for us to, to duck in a break, and then we can come right back with Andrew. Uh, let's do it. I, I can't wait to talk to those guys and uh, pick up on the discussion. So please stay with us. We'll be back in a couple of short minutes. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. I was outnumbered during the break listening to a conversation from a couple of no-cal bras firing back and forth <laughs> about what's going on in the Northern California. I am so cal, baby, down here. So now uh, I'm glad to be out of the commercial break now because now hopefully there's some more so-cal people out there listening with me. I'm not, I'm not so outnumbered with 
Mike Abadir, and our good friend Andrew Champagne, who's now living up in NoCal by the Bay. Andrew, thanks for coming back again with us, buddy. How you doing? What's up, Andrew? It's my pleasure. I'm sorry that uh, we outnumbered you there, Gino, but uh, hopefully we can rebound from that and have some nice conversation about the next couple of days at Churchill Downs, because there are a lot of really good wagering opportunities that I'm excited about. I'll hella allow it, Andrew. We can just say that. Um, <laughs> nice. There you go. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah, this, this is a fun time. I know you, just like anyone, you're spending hours uh, handicapping these races, and we've been looking at these horses for a while. But I got to give you a shout-out right off the bat because you and I play in uh, a fantasy horse racing league, and we draft the teams in January. So when you look at some of our teams now – you got to remember, we drafted these teams four or five months ago, so a lot of things do change. A lot of horses that you might have thought then uh, that are going to be really good kind of kind of teal, uh, teal off or sometimes injuries, uh, different directions, whatever it may be. But you took a flyer on Mendelssohn, and right now that flyer looks pretty darn good because you're going to have one of the favorites in the Kentucky Derby, and man, did he look freaky good winning last time out. Well, in all fairness, it's not just me. My dad is also part of the team. He was big on Mendelssohn as well. Uh, I was the one that sort of headed the draft process, though, and when I told him we got Mendelssohn for $5, he did a double take, and so did I. I figured he would go for significantly more than that, uh, especially if you see what some of the other horses that were drafted went for. But seeing him win the UAE Derby and having that in my back pocket, that was cool. Yes, maybe he rode a little bit of a bias that day, and Ryan Morris essentially admitted as such. He said, yes, that's the way the track was playing. Inside speed was incredibly good, and I would have been a fool not to take advantage of that. That being said, he won by 18 lengths. If it was a win by three or four lengths, maybe. That horse won by a city block in his first start on dirt. Now, some will say that that makes him a candidate for a bounce, and maybe that's the case, but... This is a horse that's proved he could go a mile and three sixteenths. The stretch out to a mile and a quarter shouldn't beat him. He got, by all indications, one of the best posts you could ask for. And at five to one on the morning line, I think that's a fair price. He's one of my three A horses that I'll focus on. I've got three A horses and three B horses, and I imagine we'll do a lot of talking about those groups in just a bit. Well, go ahead. Give, give us uh, give us your A's and B's. Kind of take us through your your top tiers in this in this well, year's field. Sure. Mendelssohn is one of my A horses, as I've mentioned, for reasons that I've mentioned. As much as I want to go against Justify, given that he's only had three starts, he never ran as a two year old. If you're playing the Curse of Apollo drinking game, bottoms up, everybody. I feel like three <laughs> one is a short price on the win end, so I wouldn't advise playing on the win end. And Mike Joyce hinted at that in his. Uh, in his talk set with you guys, where, by the way, he set the bar incredibly high. Hey, Mike, how's it going, just in case you're still listening? But if all indications are accurate, Justify has been coming into this race like a horse that's ready to fire his best shot. I really liked his seven-furlong workout at Santa Anita, where he galloped out really, really well. I don't think the distance gets him beat. Some things might get him beat. He's beat a lot of short fields. He's gotten some fantastic trips, and he may have to work out one that's less than ideal. But if he runs back to the Santa Anita Derby, I feel like he's the horse to beat. The other A horse that I've got is 12-1 to on the morning line, and that's good magic. I like a lot of things about this horse. If you look at last year's form cycle, he debuted at Saratoga, ran okay, finished second. He ran in a grade one champagne, ran well, 
finished second to Ferenzi Fire, who's a good one-turn horse, and then we all know what he did in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He had a bit of a layoff, came back in the Fountain of Youth, ran okay. Ran well in the Bluegrass, which he won by a length over a big field, and now he's in his third start of the form cycle. I think Chad Brown's got him going in the right direction. He's been going well in the mornings as well. And here's a fun little stat. While eight horses in this field have won races with fields of 12 or larger that have been signed on, Good Magic is the only horse in the entire field with multiple wins over that kind of field. You can't replicate the atmosphere the Kentucky Derby possesses, but horses that win over large fields like that sometimes have to work out trips that are less than ideal, and they get a lot of experience doing so. I think that's a big plus for Good Magic, and if he's 12-1 to on the morning line, that might be the value on the win end. My three B horses are all Pletcher trainees. I have Audible, Magnum Moon, and Zeno Rosso all in that tier. I'll be using those in pick fours and wider exotics ranges, but I think the three serious win contenders are the three that I've mentioned, Justify, Good Magic, and Mendelssohn. So you're telling me that Pletcher's horses can't be separated between those three that you mentioned? Well, from a value standpoint, I think they present similar propositions. If you like Magnum Moon, you're getting a horse that, like Justify, is undefeated. Hadn't run it as a two-year-old, but has done a lot of the right things. You're getting six to one. That's a reasonable price. If you like Audible, you're getting a horse that the race may set up for, given his late closing kick. You're getting eight to one. That's a reasonable price. If you like Vino Rosso, you're getting a horse that's bred to run these kinds of distances. His dam is a half to commissioner who I had in the Belmont a couple of years ago when he got nailed by Tonalist. If Commissioner holds on, that's the biggest score of my racing career, but we're getting off track a bit. <laughs> Having said that, Dino Rosso is bred for this kind of trip. I liked his Wood Memorial performance. And if you like him, you're getting an acceptable value proposition at 12 to 1. The horse that I will be playing against in that vein, because I think the morning line odds are a bit of an underlay, is number 11, Bolt Doro. I feel like Bolt Doro reminds me a lot of a horse we saw a couple of years ago by the name of Mucho Macho Man. Big horse, high cruising speed. If he hits the top of the stretch in front, chances are you're not going by. However, if you remember Mucho Macho Man, when he had work to do at the top of the stretch, he rarely passed horses. Where he hit the top of the stretch was pretty much where he finished most of the time, says the guy that had him in the Woodward when he had every chance to go past to honor and serve and couldn't do it. But having said that, I feel like Bolt Doro is going to sit a similar kind of trip, and I just don't see him in front when the field turns for home. I think 8-1 to one is a bit of a short price on that kind of a horse. I'll be playing against him in a lot of my wagers, and if you're playing this race, you sort of have to make a deal with yourself in terms of, okay, one of the top seven or eight horses, if that horse beats me, I'll live with it. And in that case, my horse like that is Bolt Doro. That's a great great point. This is something um, I've talked about a couple times already. You're going to have to pick and choose because there are, you know, you're expecting Justify and Mendelssohn to take a lot of money. And then after those two, there's probably going to be seven or eight horses in the next tier that are all going to be between, what, eight and 15 to one, something like that. And you can't yeah. use them all. You know, you, it's going to be Bolt, um, Audible, uh, you know, you're going to see Magnum Moon in there, Good Magic in there. They're all going to be similar prices. You're going to have to pick and choose, and, and you're going to have to toss out two or three of those horses. You just can't use your one through six betting choices. So kind of getting at that, is there 
and, and maybe not necessarily even a horse that that you're going to be using on the win end. But who of the bigger priced horses uh, interests you the most? Who would be a, a live long shot that maybe you wouldn't talk someone off, or a horse that's maybe t- over twenty to one that you think has a shot to hit the board? Over twenty to one, I would probably say Solomini because. If you look like at Solomini, you're getting a horse that has not necessarily run a bad race at any point. Maybe he hasn't taken the step forward that many of us thought that he would have, but this is a horse that's bred up and down to want to go long. You obviously can't fault the trainer, Bob Baffert. Flavian Pratt has had a tremendous year to this point, and I feel like he might be able to make his own trip with not a lot of trouble. He's got some early speed, does not necessarily need the lead to run well. And if you're looking for the kind of plotter that can occasionally fill out your tries and supers for the Kentucky Derby, maybe Solomini is that horse at 30-1 to on the morning line. I feel like that's the horse that might clunk up a little bit. And if he can get the right trip, I wouldn't necessarily talk you off of using that horse underneath. Yeah, I actually have Solomini in, in the fourth spot, so I'm, I like that. Uh, I like that call there for a, a price. We're talking with Andrew Champagne of DRF, a good friend of ours here on the Mike Abadir Show. We have a few minutes left with Andrew, so we'll shift a little over uh, from the Derby field to the Kentucky Oaks field. Really, on paper, it looks like there are two top horses that are going to take the, uh, a lot of the action. It's been kind of billed as like a East versus West with Midnight Bisu and Mononymy Girl. Um, I mean, are those obviously the two horses to start with? Uh, do you lean one way or the other? And kind of what's your overall view of the Oaks? I feel like it's a two-horse race. I wish I could give you some sort of a price that could contend with Midnight Bisu and Mononymy Girl. I can't do it. Just going off of the races that they've run, those two are head and shoulders above the rest of the crop, which I feel on the whole is a pretty mediocre crop of three-year-old fillies that we have this year. My top pick in that race is Midnight Bisu because I feel like there are a number of horses in that race that need the lead in order to run well. I think it'll set up for a closer. And when Bill Spore travels with a horse, he usually means business. Uh, this is a guy that does not venture outside California very often. When he does, he's got a live horse. If Midnight Bisou is 5-2 to two or more when the field goes to post, I will happy, happily take a shot on that horse on the win end. However, if you're looking for a horse that could potentially hit the board at a big price, the horse that I'll throw out there is 30-1 to one on the morning line, and that is Kelly's Humor, who I feel like had excuses two and three back. In the grade two goldenrod, it's safe to assume something went wrong because we didn't see that horse for more than five months. In the Alcibiades, she had a rough start and went way wide on that short stretch at Keeneland. That's usually not a recipe for success. Her comeback race in the Beaumont was actually pretty solid. And if Gas Station Sushi validates that form in the eight bells, which I think she will, then it bodes well for Kelly's humor, who I feel like won't have a problem with the added distance. And again, the race does seem to set up for a closer. If you're looking for an exotic source to throw in underneath at a big number, that's the way that I would go. So, uh, Andrew, are you going to be um, tweeting out uh, observations, selections, or anything like that to uh, listeners and your followers on Friday and Saturday? Well, I've actually already got my Kentucky Oaks Day analysis up on my website, andrewchampagne.com. You can take a look at that on my Twitter page, at Andrew Champagne. I will be writing up my Saturday analysis either late tonight or early tomorrow, depending on when a couple of scratches come down. And 
obviously what the weather forecast could hold because it's looking like there's a chance of rain both Friday and Saturday, and you want to be able to have the most accurate handle on the races that you can. But, yes, I'll absolutely have some stuff up there. My Friday analysis is already up, complete with a couple of pick four tickets. I actually really like the undercard on Friday. And one of my best bets of the day, if I can give this to you pretty quick, Please do. comes in the turf sprint, which is race number seven. I really like number one delectation, the Leslie Ward trainee that's coming in off of a layoff. This is a horse that last year ran against some of the best horses in Europe. If you look at the race three back, she ran against some of the top fillies and mares on that continent. The winner was Roly-Poly, who's won a couple of big races over there. The runner-up was Wojita, who wound up winning the Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf. So back class is certainly not an issue with this horse. Gets first-time Lasix. John Velasquez rides for Ward, and she's run really well in soft turf in the past. She's 6-1 to one on the morning line. I feel like that's going to come down, but I feel like 4-1 to one to 9-2 to two is still more than playable in that race. At Andrew Champagne on Twitter, andrewchampagne.com is the website where you'll find uh, all sorts of uh, opinion pieces, handicapping information, just great stuff if you follow horse racing, if you're a Very sports fan stuff. in yep. general. So make sure to bookmark that website, andrewchampagne.com. I will see you in a few weeks at the Angel Game, buddy. Thanks for joining us again, and uh, uh, have, good luck this weekend. I look forward to uh, to talking to you, and thanks for thanks again for, uh, for all the info you do. Uh, I know all the listeners really appreciate the hard work you put in. Thank you, Andrew. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and hopefully we can get Mendelssohn home for some fantasy jockey club points. There you go. There you go. Andrew Champagne. We are coming up on a break in just about a, a two minutes, and then we're going to bring in for our final guest, Keenlin Dan, fat, bold guy racing. Mike, give us a, we got about a minute or two. Give us a little analysis on your end. So w- who are some of your top contenders coming into the Derby? Um, who do you have as your, uh, you know, your top tier of, of horses that you must be using in all your exotics? I think for me, when you're talking about the Derby, you know, it's uh, it's one of those days where I want to score big, right? So I'm not going to be looking for, you know, the three to ones and the five to ones, kind of like you and Joyce were saying, you know, I'm going for a score. And so with that said, you know, do I think there's going to be a 50 to one or, or that kind of upset? It's a possibility, but my money is going to be on good magic at the top and the top slot. I think Mendelssohn and Justify are probably going to get into the trifecta, but I've got a cup my eye on a couple of long shots flame away at 30 to one. Now this is a horse that we were uh, all introduced to on our show when Norman Cassie joined us back in October. Yeah, yeah He talked right. to us about flame away. And since then I've been following the horse. I like what I see. I think this is a, a nice long shot possibility, especially underneath. I also agree with you guys on Salamini. I always look at the Baffert's longer price. You know that about me, Gino. Yeah, That's one love of the that. things I love. I love that angle. And then the last one is, I'm curious about Noble Indy because even when Andrew mentioned the three Pletchers, the reason I asked him that question about ranking them is because I wanted to see where he was going to throw Noble Indy into the mix. How many times have we seen it that the unexpected one from a trader comes out on top or disrupting the exotics? What about you? He's really forgotten about horse too. He's lightly raced on paper. He, he doesn't he hasn't done anything wrong. I just I wonder what trip he will get. Um, yeah, for me there I'm just there's three horses that I have kind of on top. My top four are uh, Bolt. Justify, Mendelssohn, and Solomini. Those are the four that I'll be using in a lot of exotics. I'll probably play some uh, some try boxes with them and some tries with them. And then I'll play one trifecta where I do play Bolt, Dioro over 
maybe eight or nine horses. I think that comes out to 90 bucks when you do something like that. So that's the way that I'm going to approach uh, playing the race, uh, playing the derby, where I'll I'll play some pick fours and pick fives um, leading into the race to, to cl- try to close out with a few. But my top horses are the 7, 11, uh, 14, and the 17. Um, so th- those will be the four for me that I'm using in, in pretty much everything. I, I really like Bolt Dioro um, in here. I just think he's a battle-tested horse. And we'll mention it a little bit more as when we talk with Dan after the break. But to me, Solomini and him are very similar horses. Solomini kind of feels like a Bolt Dioro light to me. Just horses that are super battle-tested. They faced all the big... Uh, uh, all the big dances, and they're they're horses that can have some trouble and that can overcome that trouble, and that's what I want to see in the Derby. So yeah, we'll yeah take- Solomini has not had any any racing luck at all. None, so. and he's due for some, right? He's due. He's for due for some, but trip. is he going to get it in a twenty horse field? I mean, yeah, that's and, the only question. And if he doesn't, I at least like the oper- I at least like knowing that he's overcome it. That's what yes. I like about both the Oro too. Is that I'm not sure if Justify can get hit in the mouth and and come back at you, but I do know that both Oro and Solomini can. So that's why they're going to be on almost all of my tickets uh, come this weekend. Let's take a quick break, and then we will bring in, to close things out, our good friend, Keenlin Dan, fat, bald guy racing. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Mike Abadir Show. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. like that we were able to show uh, the multi-diverse guest that we have and the multi-talented folks out there. This next gentleman, we've had him on a couple times, but, you know, when you look on Twitter, you see Keeneland Dan, and we're going to talk to him about the Derby, but when we've talked to him, we've talked about some college basketball. That's uh, one of his loves, but how I met Dan was over on Elite Racing Network where we would hook up each weekend. We would talk about the races that were going on. We'd always hit the early pick five at Gulfstream. We talk about a couple races through Keeneland or something out on the West Coast that maybe strike dance fancy and um, always had a blast 
conversing about the races with Dan. And what better time to bring him back than the big weekend with the Oaks on Friday and the Derby on Saturday. Dan, how's it going, buddy? What's up, Dan? Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's been a crazy week. I hope you guys are ready to get this going. <laughs> oh, yeah. All, yeah. The, Not like- all the work's just about done. Pray the rain holds off. You know, the forecast is slowly looking a little bit better. Um, so hopefully it's not, you know, just complete thunderstorm washout. <laughs> is this still 50% chance of rain on Saturday, too? Yeah, um, but it, but most of the rain is supposed to come late at night. So hopefully, you know, we don't get we don't get drilled all day long. That, that's the, you know, the, the track dries out so fast at Churchill that, you know, if it would rain early or rain real late, they'll be fine. But if it rains all day, then they can't get the they can't get the drainage out there. And you know, even with forty five minutes in between races and two hours before the Derby, from one dirt race to the Derby, you know, it's still kind of hard to you know get those tractors out there if it's pouring down rain. Now, let me pose this to both of you guys: Are you guys going to re-handicap it depending on the surface and how it looks? You know, let's start with you, Dan. I want to hear your uh, your take on that, Gino, as well. Yeah, I think it, Churchill c- tends to get very biased, um, so you got to pay attention to that. I mean, there's been years where closers won every single race, and then there's been years where, like the year Nike was won every horse for two days. If you weren't within a length of the lead, you had no chance on the undercards. You you had absolutely no chance. Uh, the last couple of years on the turf. Uh, you had no chance if you were on the rail. Um, anybody that was in the one, one, two, or three holes just got horrible trips, and you needed to be outside. I mean, when when Arclo pulled off that big upset um, last year, you know, Gary, I think it was Gary Stevens sat like in the sixth path, all the way down the backside. You could see on the blimp view he was way out there. Um, so you got to you got to pay attention to that because it can definitely change who you like. The one thing I, I loved uh, over the last couple of years of getting to know you, Dan, and, and talking to you about the races is, you know, you handicap the races, you play the races, but you, when you're someone who plays the races as often as you do, you have to go in with the plan. You have to have your, you know, your kind of your set of rules that you're going to live by. And sometimes they're going to, they're not going to, you know, make you a ton of money, but most of the time they do a great job for you. And in particular, there's a set of rules that you have, uh, I love for Keeneland and also for the Derby that you really, really, um, I'm from spreadsheets, you have all the different numbers from the buyers to the Briz to the sheet numbers, um, what numbers that horses have to have at least a bought, uh, get to that, at least this number to be able to win the Derby. You do an incredible job with your spreadsheet and you really put a lot of factors going into the Derby because this isn't just a normal race to handicap. You, you really can look at the numbers and, and make a pretty educated guess as to these horses have a shot and these horses don't. Yeah, there's absolutely, this is the one race all year that if you look at the, the John White has, has a set of factors and a couple of them have become insignificant, which he'll admit over the last couple of years, but the rest of them hold true. And then you add in my factor, which is the Briz buyer factor and the prep factor and I mean, it's 23 out of the last 25 years. If you're not in that box, you can't win. You just can't win. I mean, it, I mean, Giacomo won and my net bird won that were not in the box. Now, the thing about both those races, my net bird year, it was pouring down rain. It was a horrible track. 
and all the California horses were coming off a of poly track. So we didn't get the real, you know, hardcore, fast, dirt West Coast horses that have dominated the Derby. You know, so that was the pioneer of the Nile year where he's out there running on poly track. So we don't even know, you know, going in, you didn't even know if you had the right dirt horses from California. And then the Giacomo year, there was only two horses that fit the box, a Fleet Alex and Bellamy Road. Well, Bellamy Road got hurt when they turned for home, so you don't know if he'd have run on or not. He, he got a broken bone in his leg, for crying out loud. Of course he was going to stop. And a Fleet Alex got the ride of the century. You know, when you go back and watch that head scratcher, if he just starts to the outside instead of the inside, he probably wins by three. But, you know, that's what happens in a derby sometimes, and, and you end up with a head scratcher. But you know, the other 23 years, if you're in the box, you know, and, and, and the funny part is the box is a little bit bigger this year because there's so many horses that fit this year. You, you can't just say, well, these three fit, these four fit, these five fit. I mean, there's seven of them that fit this year. So now it's like, all right, we got to go to more factors. <laughs> so you got to get in even more to throw out. Like Magna Moon was in the seven. I had to throw him out just because we're trying to dwindle it down because he doesn't have the number and he's got too many preps. He does not fit the profile of a Derby winner. And even though he's undefeated, I just I, you got to you got to make decisions. And a hundred Briz, a ninety-eight buyer, and four prep races. Forget the Apollo stuff. The other three factors, he's just not fast enough. Who's the most unexpected horse that fits the box? Mendelssohn. Um, because he only fits the box because of his last race. If, if you throw out his last race, he's not even close. But the 107 Briz and Buyer, the negative four thoroughgraph, the three rag, and the two preps put him right into the box. Even though it's Every every rag sheet player will say this horse is going to bounce because he's never run a rag ever close. He was thirteen, fourteen, fifteen on the rag, and then he hit, then he runs a three. Now you got to run at least a three to win on Saturday. Can he run that again? Can he pair that up? I, he's only got two preps, so maybe he can. But I I, I don't know. I, He's one that I'll defensively put into a pick four or five on a couple tickets, but he's not one that, I, that I'm really zeroing in on. So we started uh, kind of weaving our way through your top tier. You mentioned that Magna Moon was one you kind of had to whittle out a little as you try to uh, narrow down the top kind of A horses that you have. Take us through that group of horses who, uh, who are going to be in most of your exotics. Well, I think the four horses that jump off the page that, that – Unless you just don't have the budget to use them, they've got to be on your pick fours and fives. Is Audible, Justified, Bolt Doro, and uh, Good Magic. You know, they all fit the profile. Um, you know, they're all two prep horses. Unless you want to count Justified's uh, third prep. See, I, I read into that a little bit more. Even though it's three preps, the first race was a paid workout, right? That's not really a prep to me. So if you go by that, you know, that it was just a jog across the track to get to get him a race. You know, he's really only got two tough races. So you got two preps for Audible, two preps for Bolt Doro, two preps for Good Magic. Eight out of the 11 uh, last winners have all had two preps. So they've also all had at least a 98 buyer number, 
and they've all had at least a 102 Briz number. All those horses fit that. And let's face it, they all drew well. So you can't really just say, well, throw one of them out. I mean, they're in the 5, 6, 7, 11. You know, so unless you just can't afford to, to take that many, you know, I, I think you got to have those horses on your ticket if you want to cash a pick four or pick five. And, and I love what Churchill's done the last couple of years, adding that pick five and pick four into the last two races. So now you've got multiple pick fours and fives into the derby. So, so you can hit the pick five and then hit the hit another pick five. You know, you just got to get you just got to be right in the derby. You just got to have the winner. I, everybody's all, oh, what about value? I don't care about the value. I just want to have the winner because I, I can get value in the other races if you catch a twenty or thirty to one shot somewhere else. Well, and most of the time too, if you if you're just able to connect on whatever it is, exactas or tries or whatever, you're going to get paid pretty well in the derby, anyways, just because of the pool sizes and just by the nature of it being a twenty horse field. Well, yeah, I mean, Always Dreaming was the favorite to pick five, paid $50,000 for 50 cents. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. The one to two shot entry won the Oak, on Oaks Day on the grass that they couldn't lose, Lock Colonel and Dream Dancing, into Abel Tasman, who I, I couldn't believe we got that kind of price. I thought it was a two-horse race, the two California Phillies, and that paid 32000 for 50 cents. So no, yeah, it's uh, really a pick uh, four. I mean, they were handing you the pick four, you know, a pick five with the, with the one to two shot they can't lose. So, sure. you know, there, there, there's other races that you can get a bunch of value in. You just got to, you guys, you just can't miss the Derby. That's, that's the way I'm playing it this year. I just don't want to miss it. No, and I, let me piggyback on that. Gino and I were talking about a listener's uh, question that they sent in, which was basically, I've got a hundred dollar bankroll. I want to make some money on this. I don't want to just, you know, turn 100 to 130. What do you suggest I focus on in terms of plays? So how would you answer that question? Exactas, pick threes. You know, somebody wants to turn 100, let's say, into 1,000 or whatever. What's the way to go if that's your budget? What I would do is if they wanted to play Friday, Saturday, I'd bet the pick three from the Oaks, uh, whatever it used to it's, It was the Woodward. What? I don't know what they're calling it now. Um, but you know that pick three, the Oaks to the turf race to the Derby. I think you could turn a hundred bucks into fifteen hundred to two grand easily, uh, because I think Beach Patrol's got a big chance to get beat, uh, and there's some prices in there that can win. And I mean, even if you only take the two favorites, because that's all you can afford with a hundred bucks, two times you know six or seven into four, five or six, you know that you could still have that for a hundred bucks and and and. As long as you don't catch Justify and Beach Patrol, you know you're go- you're going to get a pretty solid return on that. Yeah, I like that approach. Dan, you, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to quickly ask you. You're talking about the two favorites. What can you tell us about the other favorite in there, Doville? Uh, obviously, coming from Europe, I don't know much about that horse. Anything you can enlighten us with? I, I just don't. I don't like him very much in there. I mean, he'll fight to the head of the lane. He'll be in the mix in the middle of the stretch, but. I just think that race just screams that Beach Patrol is going to be on the wire in a photo with somebody. And yeah, I, don't I agree. Be you know, I don't I'm think it'll huge, be Doville. I'm, I'm, of course, just to look, give a look in some of your multiple race exotics there, uh, the three, Kurilov, and the seven, Synchrony. Just give a look to those horses to maybe include in yeah, some of absolutely. your... I, 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 think I like those that. Two have to, I think you have to look at those two. I think you have to look at Yoshida at 15 to 1. Great, yeah. 
Lamont was saying all last year, wait till this horse is a four-year-old. So, okay, it's a four-year-old now. Let's, let's see how good he is. And at 15 to one, that's the day to take a shot and put him in your ticket. And if you like synchrony, how do you not use uh, Arclo? Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and what's I nice mean, they, about the sequence is if you, if I, and we'll, we'll, we only have about two minutes left, so we'll just get a quick opinion on yours. For me, I think the Oaks is just really a two-horse race between those two fillies. So if you, if you can just key down to those two, or even if you say, you know what, I like Mononymoy Girl, or I like Midnight Bisu, and then you can pick one of them single and then really, you know, spread your, uh, your budget out a little bit heading into the grass race and the derby. So right. I think that's a great call, Dan. It's a good sequence to, uh, to put a little money into. And Gino, you love me the way I uh, the way I tell people all the time: single spread, spread, single yeah, spread, that, spread. That's Anybody the way we play, man. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah, the way you got to play. I was just telling somebody the other day: four times five and one times twenty is the same cost, right? Yeah. Just find the winner in the other race. Take all if you want to. If you want to try for a big score, you know, take something crazy: one times ten instead of three times four. You know, if you if you like uh, Midnight Pursuit, which I do. I mean, I like that horse a lot in there. I think she's got a huge chance to win. You know, you can go one times seven times seven. I mean, you can make a $2 pick three. If you get lucky in those other two races, that could pay $2,500. Well, I just want to go on record and and say that I'm going to try to beat the two favorites in the Oaks. I'm going with Wonder Gatto and Raya. Raya, who will probably get bet a little bit coming out of the, the Mendelssohn race. We only have about... 30 seconds left to go. FatBaldGuyRacing.com is the website. He's at FatBaldGuyRacing on Twitter. Keeneland Dan. Dan, give us a quickly, what do you have this week for uh, for Derby-wise selections? Oh, God, we got full cards at, at Churchill, obviously, but we've got all these other tracks, too. So if you're sitting at the track and you look up and see 45 minutes to post, all you got to do is go back to your sheets. You're going to have four or five other tracks sitting there that we can help you with. You know, because, I, hey, I get bored, too. I mean, 45 minutes is ridiculous. So we're always looking for something else to bet, even if it's two bucks. We, we just want to have some kind of action in between races. So we're not leaving you hanging. we got all those other tracks, too, um, besides the sheets. And, I mean, like well, hey, said, Dan, they're going to the cut you off here. So uh, let me jump in and just give you a quick thank you, because they're going to cut us off in like eight seconds okay. here. So thank you. Good luck with your derby selections. Appreciate you coming on. And we hope that the listeners out there enjoyed the show. Make some money. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.